I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. Now, I think even for our listeners, too, I think what's important is um, we might be right, we might be wrong, but one thing is we're not afraid. Right. And we have a point of view, and I think that people should hear it. And we're unscripted. We just have free reign for 20 minutes. Welcome to Side Effects with an A. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan. We've got two amazing guests here with us today, Antonio Chacha and Eric Pacman. Antonio, why don't you tell our audience what you do? Sure. Uh, first off, this is not a rerun. This is my, this is my third time on the show. Uh, I'm the Director of Government and Public Affairs for the Ohio Pharmacists Association, and I'm a co-founder for a new company called 46 Brooklyn. Which is really cool. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Eric. Yeah, uh, I'm also co-founder of 46 Brooklyn and just a data analyst. So Yeah, so we spent like three hours together <laughs> yeah. on, uh, on Friday. Yeah, we, had, we had some fun. <laughs> so Antonio, a little bit about, just a little bit about your background. And, and what your what your mission is. So where'd you come from? How'd you end up as uh, director of public affairs? Yeah, so uh, son of a pharmacist. So I've been uh, crawling around pharmacies my entire life. Uh, I ended up uh, wanting to become a pharmacist at Ohio State. Within a year and a half of the pharmacy curriculum, I said, this is way too boring. I never want to see this industry ever again. Um, after uh, switching to uh, public policy, uh, I ended up uh, graduating with uh, a journalism, communications background, and political science, and ended up finding my way back into pharmacy. And so since then, um, I've been trying to figure out this really complicated uh, profession and this really complicated transaction that exists right in the middle of it. And after years of banging my head against the wall and losing all of my hair because of it, um, we're finally making some headway into disrupting what could be one of the most dysfunctional transactions I've ever seen. By far. And then Eric, (laughs) so we met on Friday. You kind of walked through your background. So just give the audience a little bit because it's It's, fascinating. Well, fascinating is a very kind way to put it. It's very circuitous, I would say. So I'm a chemical engineer originally. I did a lot of modeling of uh, refineries and offshore platforms of all things. I went to business school after that because I was fascinated by public markets and, and I knew I wanted to get in that actually trade, get to Wall Street. So made it to Wall Street eventually, kind of through the back door and through something called equity research. So I was one of the guys that was writing the research reports and doing all the modeling and the, and the data analytics for the person that was sitting out there on CNBC covering a lot of the, the oil stocks and everything. Uh, that was it lasted about 18 months, but felt like it was about 10 years of my life. <laughs> and eventually, in, uh, in New York. In New York. And then New you York had, City on Wall Street. Yep. And you went to. And then then uh, you, you actually went to a pretty big school. So. Oh, it's a little school called Harvard. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't, I don't so, like bring that I was up, kind of impressed so. by that. Yeah. Harvard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I always tell people that they have to let some some normal state college guys in every now and again to like go. round out the class. So I, I was one of those. <laughs> um, went over to, uh, to actually work for a family and manage their money. I uh, did that for a little while, and then my wife and I realized that, that New York just wasn't, you either yeah. love it or you hate it, and, and we were on the other side of that. So we, we went down to be closer to family, and, and I ended up working in the railroad of all places. Uh, worked my way up through that. Uh, very fascinating industry, but ultimately my wife is, is from Dayton, Ohio, right here, uh, Bellbrook. Oh, great. And I had, as I was telling you, like I had pretty much, I worked really hard to crush her dream of, of ever <laughs> getting back to this area, telling her that there's no way I was going to ever find a job. Um, lo and behold, I, I get a call out of nowhere saying, how would you like to come to Dayton and, and run a chain of 22 pharmacies? 
And I said, what's a pharmacy? Let's do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how I got to the pharmacy world. And it wasn't a week into the job. I mean, again, I knew numbers. I knew financials. That's where I started. And it wasn't a week into the job that, that I found something that was just not right. Like I could not believe what was happening to reimbursements and that contracts just allowed PBMs to just set the price wherever they wanted and change them overnight. And I, I mean, it was like a slot machine. You know? so it, that, it, it's super interesting. So um, one thing that I'm really curious about is like, how did you two meet? So, yeah. so I'm, I'm sitting here lobbying for the association. So uh, I've been working for the Ohio Pharmacists Association for now uh, just over eight years. And so in the association world, and there's an association for everything, we tend to be specialize in problems. And we like to pretend that we solve them. Uh, we try our best, but typically, I mean, it, it's, it's very hard to, to solve some of these complicated problems. And so Eric was just one of those you know, people complaining uh, on the other <laughs> end of the phone, say, hey, I need you to fix something for me. <laughs> yeah, so going back to that, that, that first week when I, when I found this issue, um, I immediately just hook, hooked all of our data up to Tableau which is my data analytics software of choice, data visualization software of choice. And I started comparing aggregated, kind of looking at generic drugs and trying to understand like what's going on, where is this kind of reimbursement pressure coming from? It was coming from one plan, you know, or not one plan, but one kind of grouping, one payer, and that was managed care Medicaid. And so I started asking around, I'm like, who do I call? I, I mean, nothing's changed in our contracts. I just didn't know what to do, you know, and this was beyond kind of my <laughs> area of expertise. Yeah. And so Antonio's name just kept coming up. So I, I picked up the phone, I called him, and it went very well. I'm still skeptical because I'm new to the industry and everything. And then uh, you know, I, I go home and I'm just complaining to my wife because what do you do when you can't do anything? You just complain to your wife or husband. Yeah. And so, that's, so I went home and did that for about a week and finally she's like, just call Medicaid. And so that's what I did. I picked up the phone and I called Medicaid and I, I spoke to them and they were like, this is a really troubling problem. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I've done all the math, the analytics, I've, I've seen this, you know, I'll send it to you if you want. And they're like, you know what you should do? You should call Antonio Chacha. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so, so I'm like, you know what? I called him back up. I'm like, you're all I got, man. So, so that, that started kind of our, our quest towards really trying to, to crack this nut back in What's the first thing you saw when, when Eric says, hey, th th this is what I'm looking at? So the, fir the first thing I saw was, you know, another com complaining pharmacy person. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, and I, I, I say that kind of loosely. I mean, we, we like to try and solve problems. But I mean, my, my entire life is answering phone calls from pharmacists saying, I don't understand what's happening with these reimbursements, whether it's through Medicaid, Medicare, you name it. And so for, I think for the, for the, for the uh, listener, the key takeaway there is the pharmacist doesn't actually know what the heck's going on. And so when I get the phone call that says, I don't understand what's going on, that's a pharmacist telling, the, telling me, telling the marketplace that they're on the receiving end of something that is totally subjective. And there's a lot of confusion and there could be a lot of panic when there's these subjective arbitrary cuts that occur along the way. Now, what, that, what does that mean for an employer is, or for somebody paying the bill, if there's these big cuts happening at pharmacies, that should theoretically mean that on the other end, you're saving something. You should be paying less. Yeah. And, and so that kind of, fast forward the tape a little bit, we're seeing what we would consider to be the most drastic cuts in reimbursement through our Medicaid managed care program that we've ever seen. I've got pharmacies that are telling me that 60 to 80% cuts in their gross margin over a two year period. 
And so the question I bring back to the Department of Medicaid is, are you seeing 60 to 80% reductions in your spend? And actually, it was the opposite. Over the, over the two-year period that pharmacies saw 60 to 80% cuts in gross margin, Medicaid was spending 22.5% more on prescription drugs than they did before. And so what I started asking is, okay, what's getting lost in the middle? And that brought us to greater questions about Medicaid, but it really brings us to greater questions about the entire system as a whole. Yeah, because if you go back, so if we go way back in time, normally what would happen is a pharmacist would, would pay for a prescription. I'm going back before even, like, drug cards. Mm -hmm. And then the pharmacist would dispense that prescription and collect funds from the employee or a person, right? So they mm -hmm. would be in control of that transaction. Somewhere um, in our health system, someone thought it would be a great idea to give everybody drug cards because insurance companies felt like they could put pressure on the pricing mechanisms, right, yep. and control that pricing. Mm -hmm. And that was the birth of a, of a PBM. So yep. they were, they, they were uh, in the logistics business. Yep. Yep. So how do, yeah. we, how do we do this? <laughs> and then everyone felt like, boy, that sounds nice. Consumers were like, gosh, it was 300 now it's 20 bucks. This is great. Score. Manufacturers were like, gosh, now, you know, now it doesn't cost the consumer $300. It's only 20 This is beautiful for us. This is amazing. <laughs> well, real quick, Scott, I mean, it, it created some accountability on pharmacy pricing. Correct. Because before, pharmacies could just really charge whatever mm -hmm. they wanted to. And so now you had somebody that was holding that system a little bit more accountable. Well, mm -hmm. in, in, in all honesty, so we, we've been there once before, mm -hmm. right? But what's happening today is, in my opinion, 10 times worse. Yeah. Because if, if you're a consumer or if you get a paycheck, do you pay taxes? Uh, last time taxes? I checked. Yeah. So we're paying for Medicaid, we're paying for <laughs> Medicare, and if you have a job and you, and you have health care and we're paying for taxes, then uh, we're paying for our own health care. So we're paying for, we're paying for all of this. Absolutely. And it's such, uh, transparency does not exist in this, in this no. space. Not, Zero. Not one, not one bit. <laughs> it was, it's shocking, the level. And I mean, you know, this is kind of where I, I think I bring a little bit of perspective because I've, I've been, again, my circuitous background, been through so many industries. And when I got to this one, I think this is kind of like a little bit of the genesis of 46 Brooklyn. The, the more you learn, the more you're like, what? This is really how this supply chain works. Like this is really what our contract says. Like the, the, these prices can literally be changed overnight. Uh, all the data, the rebates, everything is hidden. It just doesn't feel real. So when you <laughs> so you formed Forty Six Brooklyn, and one of the stories that I love, Eric, is is uh, kind of uh, why you called it Forty Six yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's it's super authentic and. Well, it's, I like that. So tell the audience the story of that. It's a, it's a tough one for me because I, I think like, so something very bad happened in my life, but with, without that, I'm not sure we'd be sitting here right now. So um, my mom was, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, about a year, year and a half ago, almost two years now. Um, she battled it. She was, I mean, she was a serious fighter and an idealist, which kind of maybe is one of the reasons that's where I get my idealistic streak. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I mean, she went through the kitchen sink of chemo and everything. And finally, um, after fighting it for about 18 months, she passed in January. And my sister and I had the opportunity, a lot of people don't have this, uh, to, to be there with her at the end for the last seven, eight days sitting with her. And I mean, it, it gives you some serious perspective on life. And so here I am kind of managing these pharmacies and you just get lulled into this sense of complacency of like, this is what I do. I, you know, I did this yesterday. I wake up the next day. I'm going to do this the next day. And then, then you see, you know, I saw my mom pass. 
Uh, and I'm like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's something that I'm really passionate about. I was kind of growing to the point, I mean, this is at the beginning of 2018, of being borderline obsessive about just understanding this, this supply chain and, and just why it was, how, how did it go so wrong? Um, that, you know, that experience was kind of a wake-up call for me that, uh, you know, just, just get out there and live your life and, and just do something every day because it could be your last if it was for her. Uh, 46 Brooklyn, 1946 is when my mom was born, and Brooklyn is, is where she was born yeah. as well. So, uh, <laughs> interestingly, and this isn't the case anymore, that was the password to her computer. <laughs> and so, <laughs> when, I, uh, when I was going in, I mean, one of the messy things you have to do after someone passes is you have to go in and log in and take care of all their the personal stuff. And so, uh, I was logging into her computer, and it, it was just this kind of one moment where I, I typed 46 Brooklyn in there. I was like, you know what? I don't know what sort of company I'm going to start. I don't know what it will do. I don't know if it will make a dime. I don't really care, but there's going to be something that's called 46 that's Brooklyn really going cool. forward. And here we are. Well, I love that uh, story. And I, and I also love like when, when, when you unpacked all of this, this data. So yeah. you said, I've got, I've got Medicaid data. Um, I also have data from uh, when, a, when a pharmacist pays for a prescription, they specifically will drop the price of what they paid for that prescription based on multiple manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I have some sort of database in regards to what the state is being charged for that prescription. Mm -hmm. Correct, yeah. You saw this, like, massive gap in between the yeah. two. Yeah. And it's something that you and I have been talking about for a long time. So the state of Ohio is doing what right now? Yeah, it's so funny. The first time I, I ever chatted with you is just trying to feel out, okay, what are employers seeing in this space? Because we just assume that you know everything's a mess, but we don't know that because we've never really seen any data. And lo and behold, CMS has had this data kind of sitting out on their website in really ugly charts, uh, you know, for anybody to theoretically use. The problem is, is that they're really hard to read and they're very hard to stitch together. That's kind of where Eric's expertise came in. We were able to start visualizing the growing gap between what the cost of an actual medication was versus what the state of Ohio was getting billed. And so as those margins were growing and growing and growing, at the same time, again, I'm hearing from pharmacists saying that, our mar that their margins are going down, which mm -hmm. told me that there was just this growing suck <laughs> of money yeah. in the middle of the Medicaid program. And in the, just the couple years that we've known each other, Medicaid uh, has been learning essentially at the same rate we have about what's going on in the middle of this transaction. And so when pharmacy pharmacies like Eric's started you know, whining to Medicaid saying, look, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. Medicaid was telling us, well, we don't see that problem. Which is, you know, which is really <laughs> super. So the American public are saying like, I'm paying way too much for a prescription. Yep. Right? And yep. so there, we all heard the EpiPen and just, just this big drama. Why does this keep going up? Pharmacists are saying, um, I'm getting less, right? Mm -hmm. Employers are saying, I'm paying more. Yep. Your data says, like, that's not what's happening underneath. So you say peel the onion. Oh yeah. So it's it's. You ever tried to peel a cue ball? I mean, getting <laughs> getting to the getting to the metrics of this. So so what what you were able to expose is here. Here's the difference between what they pay for the drug and what the state of Ohio is being billed for the drug. What is in the middle of the sucker? And so now it's 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 really blown up mm -hmm. because. Uh, finally, Medicaid, you know, look, I mean, it, it's been frustrating getting to this point because so often, I mean, they're saying, well, we don't see a problem here, we don't see a problem here. 
well, lo and behold, they're operating off of bad data. They're using PBM volunteer mm -hmm. data. And so, meanwhile, as pharmacists are complaining, Medicaid's sitting there saying, well, we're paying so much. Yeah, what are you uh, complaining it, about? These, yeah, no. these guys might be lying. Okay? It was actually in the, the, the PBM, the PBMs were not required to actually to disclose what the pharmacy was getting. It was, it was part of the actual contract. So, um, so Medicaid, I mean, the, the managed care organization didn't know. The man, Medicaid didn't know. They only saw one half of it. They weren't seeing the other half. And the other half was comprised of people like me pharmacists from all over the state of Ohio and now all over the country that were screaming saying it's way lower than that number trust us <laughs> and so for, for, I think uh, the thing that an employer needs to needs I think the big takeaway uh, if you're an employer is what are we paying for here and so what Medicaid found was that the data that their PBM was giving them was artificially inflated Medicaid had assumed that the that the itemized receipt that they were getting was truly what the pharmacy was getting paid it was not. What they were getting was a totally different number, and we refer to that as spread. Yeah. And so as Medicaid started to figure out, okay, this data that we've been operating off of is not what we thought it was. Well, even like for our listeners, and a good example might be an MRI. Yes. So if you're a self-funded employer, or if you're an employee on a health savings account, and that MRI is $375, mm -hmm. right? And you shop, you get to $375. Mm -hmm. You go, you get that service, it's $375. You give them a credit card, you write a check, or if it hits a self-funded employer's plan, it's $375. Yep. From the consumer to the provider, back to the plan. Pretty transparent system, correct? Pretty That's much. That's not what happens inside of prescription drugs. It's insane. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. Because what could happen, very, very much likely, is the cost of that MRI could be $180. Yeah. Right, so the consumer goes in, but they're told it's 375. Yeah, right. So what happens to the rest? So you've got 180, and who gets that balance? It's not going back to the employee yeah. or the consumer. It's certainly not going back to the employer. Mm -hmm. It's probably not even going back to the health plan. Who, like, where is all? Where is all that money? Now, I'm a big fan of capitalism, right? It's it, mm -hmm. it's, but I think when you take advantage of of people in massive ways, um, you should be held accountable. And you yeah. should be responsible for, uh, especially the PBMs today, whether it's Express Scripts or CVS or Optum. And I know I'm blatantly throwing names out there, but what's yeah. what's been happening, it's um, it's just wrong. Yeah, but I mean, but the payers are willingly signing these contracts. I mean, I think mm -hmm. to, to be clear with that, they are saying like, you can go ahead and do this, and then coming back after the fact and saying, well, wait a second, we didn't realize that you were going to do that. <laughs> we didn't realize you were going to take two hundred and twenty-five million dollars from us. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not what we signed up for. But if you read the contract, it doesn't say that they can't. And then on the other side, you know, this is on generic drugs. Be, be very specific on that. Uh, and generic drugs are much much cheaper than than brand name drugs. On the other side, these PBMs likely are creating value for the, uh, the, the payer because they're passing back these massive rebates, which are totally hidden from all of us. I mean, really, no one can get their hands on what these rebate dollars are, really, except Scorpion them and room. the largest yeah. payers. And, and the new term, prebates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. So a rebate is, you know, I get paid back for a prescription, obviously, if it's dispensed. But a prebate is I'm going to pay you in the likelihood that you're yes. going to dispense yeah. this medication, <laughs> yes. um, which is just sickening. <laughs> the, the, the thing to, the, I think what Eric's saying is a PBM is, is ultimately, they're managing a very complicated transaction, and they're, they're actively trying to make it even more complicated. <laughs> and so there are so many line items that a PBM has 
I think if you're paying the bill, you need to get a better handle on what those line items are. I was listening to one of your previous podcasts with uh, Brenda from Epiphany mm -hmm. RX, and one of the most fascinating things, and I think the most important thing that she was mentioning was, they are an unconflicted PBM, meaning that they don't make money off of pricing mm -hmm. spreads. They don't make money off of rebates. They pass all of those through. They don't have their own pharmacies where they're dispensing medications because that's also a, a conflict. So if you're going to have somebody managing your pharmacy benefit, they should be ultimately somebody that is operating and acting in the interest of the, of the individual paying the bill. And the problem with, with the current PBM model, at least amongst the big ones, is that they are actively working to make a ton of money off of those different light items, whether it's spread mm -hmm. pricing off generic drugs, rebates off of brand name drugs, or dispensing specialty drugs through their own specialty pharmacies. Those are major conflicts of interest, and unless you are an absolute wizard at holding them accountable, yeah, yeah. you're going to lose every time. Well, most organizations or most studies say that the transaction fees that would come from an employer, mm -hmm. maybe even from the state of Ohio, from Medicaid, yeah. or maybe from a self-funded employer. The revenue stream that comes to a PBM that's based on admin fees, which is what an employer thinks they're paying for, mm -hmm. is only 10% on average of the PBM's revenue stream. The other 90% comes through a variety of different metrics, yep. which is really hard to get to the nubs and, uh, and understand. Yeah. One of the drugs that we looked at specifically yeah. that really kind of, I think, popped both of your eyeballs out was, what was the name of it? Started all, Aripiprazole. Yeah. It's generic Abilify, a mental yeah. health drug. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so, so walk the audience maybe through 46 Brooklyn. Yeah. And if we were, if we were, if we had our computer, what we would see when we looked at that yeah. specific drug. So, I mean, we kind of, it really, it all started with this one drug. And mm. the, the reason why is because it is a, heavily, heavily dispensed drug in the state of Ohio. I mean, we're talking about on the generic drug in 2017, it's $45 million of, of expense on this one drug. It also happens to be a generic that is undergoing massive deflation. So this drug back in 2015 was $12 per pill, and now it's down to 35 cents a pill. That's what generics do, they, they, they actually deflate. So what we were noticing is that our, our revenue was coming in very, very low, very close to cost, say 35 cents, something like that a pill. Um, but then when we were looking at the state data, when we were looking at the state data, we were seeing that the state was paying like $5 per pill or $6 per pill or something insane, like much, much higher. Um, by the way, Abilify is, is a very, very commonly dispensed mental health drug. So it's amongst a, a large class of we, We've all drugs. seen it on TV. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they massively advertised. And now it's generic. Mm -hmm. And how many manufacturers make the generic equivalent? 16. Yeah. There's which, 16 manufacturers right now. So, I mean, this is, I mean, we talk about capitalism. I mean, it's yeah. working. It's working in the generic uh, marketplace. Uh, manufacturers come in, supply comes in. But they're not all 34 cents. Well, the, the, the generics, well, yeah. yes, they, they, they actually cost 34 cents right now, but mm -hmm. it, it just depends on yeah. what deal you have with your PBM as mm -hmm. far as what you're paying for it. So, right. so Ohio's deal with the PBM, based on the, the, the public data that we could get from CMS, said that the state was paying about $5 for the drug. For a pill. Most, sure. Yeah, most recently. For right pill. around 34 cents. So 34 cents versus $5. Whereas if you look at Washington State, they're paying like 35 cents, 50 wow. cents. And so, we, I mean, the, the, the epiphany with this entire thing was let's just put it all on a map and mm -hmm. let's just show the same drug, the same time, the same strength. What is, what is every state's Medicaid department actually paying? 
and it was just and we put together we put it together on a heat map and it was just all over the place <laughs> well i saw it like on your heat map you had states that are red yep right so i can pull That's all highest cost, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then i can uh then uh basically buy uh buy drug mm -hmm. and then we were here the other day and we were looking at ambilify and the and the generic equivalent for the commercial sector so the medicaid data is out yeah. there and it's on 46 brooklyn mm -hmm. what we were really super curious about would be for self-funded employers what does that look like yeah and then we have this other um cue ball um which is uh medicaid or medicare Medicare, yeah so is there imagine if you will could we unpack medicaid cmat or medicare and then put commercial on top of it because my gut tells me it's equally as messy but going back to the 34 cents you saw where the state of ohio was paying five mm -hmm. what we saw on just massive <laughs> massive uh the same prescription was reimbursement that an employer paid uh the high was 23 dollars per 23 dollars that's unbelievable. Now, 23 bucks. <laughs> like right now, they're paying like $23. Right now, $23. <laughs> and, and, and you know where that number comes from? So this gets a little into the weeds, but there are multiple that's different- That's per pill. Per pill. pill, yes. There are multiple different types of pricing benchmarks, and one of them is called average wholesale price set by the manufacturer. The average wholesale price, which, which is meaningless, we just wrote a report about this, for Aripiprazole today is $32. So if, if the PBMs are charging you based on some discount off of this AWP, they're $23. You can very easily get to that. Wow. Yeah, not a, off not of a real one. Yeah. <laughs> off of what? Off yeah, of some what? artificially in, high in, number. In pharmacy, we like to refer to AWP as ain't what's paid. <laughs> <laughs> so That's good. So, so here, here you have a lot of these contracts, not only at the pharmacy level, but the employer level, where a PBM is telling you, your reimbursement or what we charge you is going to be based off of some percentage off of AWP. Mm -hmm. And here, what he's telling you is that the average acquisition cost for this generic aripiprazole at this point at the pharmacy, according to CMS data, is just over 30 cents. And what AWP is sitting $32. at is $32. Yeah. And, and you're paying based on that, yeah. Yeah, you're, some percentage off of that. So I'm a pharmacist. Yeah. And so I've got a, I've got my own strategy to go find uh, high quality, low cost meds. Mm -hmm. So I'm making those transactions. I'm looking at all the different manufacturers, and I found one for 19 cents. Let's yeah. just say. So um, I'm trying to be uh, a, a a good business owner, and all of a sudden, I like I know someone's getting 23 bucks per pill, yeah. and I paid 19. Well, and I think what they're coming yeah. back to you is saying like enough is enough because I'm watching the patients pay, I'm watching the employers pay, I'm watching taxpayers pay. Who's going to solve this problem? This is where I think the pharmacists are are kind of losing their minds right now. And we'll, we'll bring it back to Medicaid real quick is the pharmacists are sitting there saying we are we've never our margins have never been lower. And they're looking at Medicaid saying they've never spent more. And so the mm -hmm. frustration is, is that somebody is getting very fat off of this system. And it's not a provider, it's not the government, it's not the managed mm -hmm. care plans necessarily, and it's not benefiting the, benefiting the patients. So for what, what are we buying with yeah. that, you know, $22 yeah. of overspend? Um, we're not buying very much. And so uh, the auditor of the state of Ohio, Dave Yost, and the Attorney General, Mike DeWine, just jumped in and they said, we need to open the books. Medicaid, to their credit, stepped in and said they need to open the books. And what they ended up finding was that on generic drugs, over 30% of the overall price that was being uh, paid for 
was going into the PBM's pocket yeah. through pricing mm -hmm. spreads. 30%. Which is, so give our listeners, in like in the state of Ohio, like, like how much money is that? So um, it, it's, it's over 30% on generics, okay, but when you aggregate it out to overall spend, brand and specialty included, the overall spread was around 8.9%. And so Medicaid Managed Care spent $2.6 billion wow. on uh, prescription drugs in 2017. So this accounted for about $224 million or uh, just under 9% of and the overall spend. that's just the state of Ohio. It's just the state, state of Ohio, Ohio and it's just spread. So we're yeah. not talking about rebates. Yep. We're not talking about specialty drug margins. We're not talking about transmission fees. Mm -hmm. Spread pricing alone, one line item accounted for just under 9% of the overall drug spend. not even close spend. to the tip yeah. of the spear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, yeah. and what 46 Brooklyn can do, and it's starting to highlight, is like, look, if you have some of the similar characteristics that Ohio is seeing, and you can answer a question, are we in a spread contract? Is our managed care organization in mm -hmm. a spread contract with the PBM? You likely have the same problem. Or at least like, you better be looking into it. <laughs> yeah. And we don't know if the number is going to be $225 million, but there's certainly a big number that's in the middle of that. Because what happened in 2017, 2016, generic marketplace fell apart. There's massive generic yep. deflation. And if you're in a spread contract, the PBM is not required to pass that through to you. So it became a windfall for the PBM. You know what I also high. liked about uh, kind of about your motive uh, <laughs> is the fact that, um, you know, you've been offered to monetize uh, what we're doing right now. You said, you know, no. Now, so I think, so, you know, a lot of people say, well, what's the solution? I think the solution for today is let's identify this problem. Mm -hmm. That's it, all we're trying to do. That, that's that's it. it. Which is really hard, by the way. Which is really <laughs> It's like carving a cue ball. I mean, it's exactly. pretty, pretty it's difficult. Yeah. But I do think it's, it's, it could be the beginning of the end. You know, how do, how do you bring all of this back? I mean, obviously organizations need to uh, make a profit, right? Absolutely. I think uh, you know whether you're the pharmacist or whether you're the insurance company. And matter of fact, employers that offer benefits earn a profit. That's how they can offer mm -hmm. benefits. PBM should earn a profit. Correct. But um, how much is uh, is too much? Because really, um, so coming from the railroad industry, and we'll kind of speed up and wrap up this conversation because <laughs> I love it. But when uh, when I think of a PBM, uh, and and your background is in railroads, yeah. I mean, really, a PBM is a le they're a logistics company. That's they what are. they do. They are, yeah. And so I, it, I, I'll test this analogy out or this this, this kind of metaphor out. Um, in the railroad, the, the way that I look at this is this this our prescription spending is this massive freight train that's like barreling down the road at seventy miles an hour, you know, out of control. And that rail, that track that's underneath, that's the supply chain, right? That, that's what's carrying the, the spending down the road. Uh, when I was back on the railroad, I, I had the opportunity to actually spend a lot of time getting to know the, the inner workings of like how rail works and what makes defects and to, to prevent derailments of that train. And it turns out that most of the derailments, the weakness, the weak points come where the rail is actually connected, you know, in the weld between two continuous naturally made strings of rail. You weld them together, you have this man-made weld. That's where the weak points actually form. And so I think about the, this, the, the supply chain in these terms, there's so many darn welds in this thing. Oh, I mean, yeah. every connection between, if you've ever seen a map of what does the supply chain look like, it, it, will, it will make you want to puke. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, there's so many different connections between the PBM and the manufacturer and the manufacturer and the wholesale and the PBM and the PSAO, it's alphabet soup of these connections. 
And the problem is, is that these, these welds have developed these, these weak spots, these defects internally, but instead of energy getting dissipated out, as, in, as is in the case with the railroad, it's money. Just oh, money yeah. that's kind of leaking out of these. Yeah. And so here we are needing, we know this, you know, I think you even highlighted this in your Hood Robin article where you said 30% of the dollars are just leaking mm -hmm. out. Going under the counter. Yeah. yeah. And so, so here we are, we know this and, and we, we, need, we need to fix it. And so who do we task to actually fix the welds? Well, we tasked the companies that are making money off of, off of the, the, yeah. the welds being broken. And mm -hmm. so I think looking at that, and I, and I didn't really develop this, this kind of metaphor until just last week, but I think subconsciously this, this was what kind of led us to start 46 Brooklyn because there's no way that you can expect mm -hmm. that to work, yeah. right? And so we're, we're the guys that are sitting like beside the track with our binoculars just waiting for the train to pass and then going out and inspecting the rail with our rudimentary mm -hmm. tools and saying, hey, everyone, there's a broken weld right here. We should pay attention to this, just so you all know, because we just don't think that a lot of other people are actually trying to point yeah. that out. And fix it for all of us. Yeah. One, of the, of, us. one of the things that uh, I, I listened to your podcast with uh, Den Bishop on the way uh, down here today, and he had an amazing quote, and I think it kind of uh, sums up, I think, what, what Eric's trying to accomplish uh, with this project here, and that is um, transparency uh, without a without a benchmark or an index is really just a waste mm -hmm. of time. Uh, and what we're trying to do is create a benchmark and an index or some level of accountability, because I think it's clear that there is no accountability. From an Ohio Pharmacists Association perspective, uh, pharmacists just want to simplify this transaction. They don't want to be focused on how do I buy the next drug, you know, ahead of the curve? How do I maximize my profit to, ma to, to make up for all the losses I'm making on these other transactions? They want to actually just move towards a service-oriented role where they're mm -hmm. actually just focused on the well-being of the patient. And I think that's what gets lost in this complicated transaction is that in the, in the midst of all this buying and selling and spreads and rebates, there's a patient that's paying the bill and actually getting a lower level of care than they used to get. That's a major problem. And paying more. Paying more for less. Paying more for less. Well, one of the things, too, is, um, hey, thanks for uh, trying to fight the good fight. Because it's a fight worth, worth fighting. Uh, and not only as taxpayers, but, uh, you know, also as just, uh, as just human beings just trying to do yeah. the right thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I always think about um, going back to if we can be centric to the single mom, just, you know, out there just kind of clawing every single day. And the fact that that single mom has to pay $300 for something that maybe it's only $42, um, yeah. that's what pisses me off. Mm -hmm. uh, and infor information like 46 Brooklyn, or what you, you guys have actually built and created um, is amazing. So Thank you. thanks for everything that you do. Uh, and I appreciate Eric. your friendship. Oh, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. Too. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and I feel like... Uh, what we're trying to do is, uh, I feel like it's virtuous. I feel like I feel like it's yeah. going to matter. So uh, thanks for joining us on Side Effects, and I'm sure we'll bring these two back soon. Have an amazing day. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on, on Side, Side Effects. Effects.